I got to a place where I was no longer myself and my mental health deteriorated. I actually mm. took two seasons of FMLA to deal with what was diagnosed as situational depression. Welcome to the Divergent Woman Podcast, where we feature inspiring stories of first-generation women entrepreneurs who have broken barriers and defied the odds. Today, I'd like to welcome Ariana Palumbo, CEO and founder of Purposefully Connected Life, a company dedicated to empowering women to achieve balance and fulfillment in both their personal and professional lives. With over a decade of experience as a certified life and executive coach and a master's degree in intercultural youth and family development, Ariana has worked with women entrepreneurs from diverse backgrounds, helping them navigate challenges with grace and confidence. Thank you for joining us today, Ariana. How are you? I'm well. Thank you, Melissa. I'm super excited to be here. I'm so glad to, to have you here. We did talk a little bit prior beforehand. And, um, you know, I, I just believe that you have a fascinating story to tell because you did take quite a journey. Um, as, as most women have, and everybody has a unique story, but I really want your story to kind of be heard. So do, tell me a little bit about, um, you know, your background and what you were doing before you started your business. I'd love to. Uh, so I grew up in Oregon and Wyoming, um, of all places to two school teachers and, uh, I grew up with the white picket fence and, you know, the 2.5 children and, uh, you know, the dog and the et cetera, et cetera. I mean, even really at an early age, you know, teaching was never really my go-to. I have an older sister and she was like, I'm going teaching and I can't wait to be a teacher and all those things. And I mm -hmm. always kind of felt myself straying a little bit from that path, you know, the very vanilla existence that we, we had. You know, I still, I, I just kind of find myself being lured away. Ooh, I'd like to be an author or, Ooh, it'd be really fun to be a journalist or mm -hmm. those kinds of things. So I did end up in the university of Montana with, um, working on a journalism degree. Um, again, kind of that entrepreneurial spirit coming out the, like going to find your own destiny story right. and sharing that with the world. Um, and even crazier than that, I found myself taking random trips around the world, like, uh, which my parents, um, supported, but didn't necessarily love. So, you know, <laughs> shortly after September 11th, I found myself in, um, I found myself in, uh, Kenya and, uh, later I would go on my own and do a trip to Sudan shortly after the, the conflict in Darfur broke out 20 years ago. Wow. And so you're an adventurer. You're. Yes. And right. I'm always willing to take risks. Mm -hmm. You know, it's mm -hmm. funny about September 11th. I should probably tell this quick story. So, mm -hmm. so people get a real sense of why I didn't really ever end up in journalism is I was the uh, news director at our college radio station when um, the incident on September 11th occurred. And I uh, had called all my team together and we were getting exclusive, uh, you know, exclusive interview after exclusive interview, talking to the governor, talking to our senators, talking to all kinds of people about, you know, the safety situation. What are we looking at? What's going on here? And it was phenomenal. Like, I just remember feeling like so elated and so thrilled with what we were doing. 
um, only, um, you know, to gather my team at the end of the day, tell them they did an excellent job, go home, watch people plummet from the World Trade Center and go, how can my best days be the world's worst days? Wow. That's a, that's an emotional roller coaster. Yeah. That's an emotional I, I roller finished, coaster. I finished the degree, but I never really ended up in journalism, but it was definitely one of those things like many in my generation that really kind of set a tone for what I was expecting the world to be like or, or what I was hoping for. And so I got the degree and then I ended up teaching. <laughs> and, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for two years. Um, and then I ended up working for a nonprofit and I ended up in social work. I got my master's degree in intercultural youth and family development. Say that 10 times fast. You mm. did very well in the introduction. <laughs> um, and I just found that the, the human stories, again, were really interesting. So it's mm. not like I ever really left journalism, but I started to kind of find this little entrepreneurial you know, spirit, although I didn't know what it was. Mm. And I... Um, and I ended up going into the Peace Corps into the Peace Corps in Peru. And if you know anything about the Peace Corps, you know, you have a lot of downtime. <laughs> oh, okay. I did not yeah. know that. Um, well, for me, there was a lot of downtime. Um, you know, there's just a different way of do thing, uh, to do things. We would set meetings to set meetings to set meetings to set meetings. <laughs> every day I'd walk down to the school to go meet with teachers and talk about, you know, what do we want to do? Do I want, you know, do you need me in the English class? Do you want me to come and teach you some teaching like activities you can do? Because it was very rote learning where I was mm -hmm. at. And, you know, I'd come and I'd sit there and they'd be like, oh, Ariana, you know, can we meet again tomorrow? I'm so glad you came. Can we meet tomorrow? Or can we meet in a couple of days? You know, right. or, I'm <laughs> like, sure. I'll be back. And I'd come back down just to meet at another time. And it was, it was awesome. Like, I love the people I worked with, but you also really had to find your own projects, you know? So I taught computer classes and I taught entrepreneur, you know, I taught how small business classes and I taught um, how to, you know, I got supplies for a garden for women who, you know, needed their children to eat more vegetables. So it was just really interesting, kind of all of the opportunities you had to do, but I was purely responsible for what my projects looked like. Right, right. But it's, it sounds like already the sort of the seeds for an entrepreneurial life uh, were starting to be sown there because between teaching the small business courses and um, having to not waiting for an assignment, but really just creating your own path within the Peace Corps. It sounds like you were already starting to um, exhibit some of those those uh, habits that entrepreneurs have. For sure. I definitely feel like it laid some groundwork that I didn't realize it was laying down because in my head, I was going to go back to the States and find a job in some kind of social work kind of environment, which I did. Mm -hmm. um, and go spend the rest of my days helping people like I had done in the Peace Corps and in my trips to Kenya and Sudan. And um, I got really itchy. It got like, you know, that nice warm wool sweater, right? Mm -hmm. It was super comfortable and it was warm and inviting and it felt safe, but it was just a little itchy, mm -hmm. a little mm -hmm. itchy. So I tried to take on a different kind of social work and I liked it for a while and I got itchy and so I was like well maybe I just I'm ambitious and maybe I just need to be a supervisor so I became a supervisor and a manager and it was still itchy right right <laughs> and I went on to something else I went on to government work um thinking okay well I can still help people over here and 
you know, again, kind of moving up the ladder. And it just, it just still felt itchy. It just never really got to a place where it felt like it was a cashmere sweater. I'm I'm bilingual. So there's this word that my father kind of used to describe himself. And he said, you're like, you understand what I mean, sort of like insinuating that I am like that too, is being um, inquieta, and not no. being able to sit still, not, you know, it's just, it, like you said, you're not comfortable enough to take up that space. Like you, you just mm-hmm. got to keep moving. So, mm-hmm. so you, I, it sounds like you weren't really feeling comfortable in the different spaces that you landed. Um, what, what was that kind of now tipping point? Where did you say, maybe, maybe I should start a business? So I was uh, working for the government here uh, in the state where I live in now. And I, uh, it was as bad as you would think it would be, right? Highly toxic, an uncreative environment, um, really needing to like please the Joneses. My people Mm. pleaser just came out like crazy. You know, you were just trying to keep up with everyone else working there 50, 60, 70 hours a week. Yeah. And I got to a place where I was no longer myself and my mental health deteriorated. I Mm. actually took two seasons of FMLA to deal with what was diagnosed as situational depression. And, and during the second time, I'm like, okay, fool me once. <laughs> Fool me twice. Right. Now right. now I need to make some changes. I definitely was prescribed medications mm-hmm. and things like that. And when so when I came back from when I was coming back from the first one, everyone was like, everything's different. There's a new boss, there's a new director, there's new whatever. So come back and give it a try. And I did. And for a while it was okay again. Um, and then again, things started to deteriorate until like I found myself crying in my office every day, which just isn't like me. I'm I wouldn't say I'm a bubbly personality, but I'm definitely a bright personality and warm. And I just found that like really disintegrating. And so I went back to, I was going to counseling. I was getting like the free counseling you can get through a lot Mm -hmm. of employers. And we were starting to work through some things, but I also talked to my primary care physician who was a wonderful, wonderful woman. And I remember her saying, okay, this has happened twice now. Like, what's what's gonna happen and I I kind of said to her I think this is me needing to like figure out what the next step is so I'm gonna take this these two months I never took three months I just took two months and I'm gonna go and like figure out where I go from here and I applied for some jobs but I wasn't really hitting anywhere um and I just thought I have to get out like I have to get out for my mental health um they were gonna they were going to actually they knew better but they were going to actually give me a boss who didn't like me. Funny looking back on it now, because it's like, well, of course you wanted me gone. Like you didn't want the person who was saying, hey, let's stop and think about that. Or hey, I like, let's just focus on these important things so we can move the needle, right? Um, or I don't want to play your game the exact way you're playing it. Can I play it a little bit differently, right? The entrepreneur. Right. The right. entrepreneurs found a better way to do it, but the bosses didn't like it. Or the entrepreneur just wanted to try something else. Who knew if it was the better way or not? And they, they weren't really conducive with it. And so I did take that two months. But I also um, started to like drum up my contacts and start to think about, all right, if I'm not finding another job, not to mention those jobs still don't feel great and don't lead me to a great place, where do I want to end up? Remember I said I came back and things were better. So I had a boss during that season. And I remember um, towards the end of his time, I gave him my resume and I said, where can I go from here? And he was like, well, you can become an auditor or a lawyer. And I like 
wanted to cry. <laughs> so it meant that my resume wasn't even reflecting what I wanted to do. Wow. And that's when I started to take life coaching. Um, I got my life coaching certification and I started to look in an ex executive coaching certification. I got them at the same time. And I thought, you know what? I think, I think there's a better way here. So when I went on FMLA for the second time, I started to go, okay, I've got these like things in place. What can I do with them? And ultimately ended up um, consulting. And it took a little bit, consulting and speaking and coaching. Mm -hmm. And ultimately it took a little bit of time and some marketing and some whatever. But um, I turned in my letter of resignation and I um, didn't look back. And I gave him like three more weeks. I worked it out with my boss and said, how long do you need me? And he said, I need you to finish up this project and it'll take about three weeks. And I said, great. And so that's what I did. I finished up the project and I never looked back. I don't know if I told you this when we were talking earlier, but the day I turned in my letter of resignation after two and a half years of trying to get pregnant, we got pregnant. Wow. Okay. So, and so this kind of ties into exactly what I was about to say. Yeah. Um, so I tell this to my kids all the time that mind, body, and spirit are connected. Mm. And if you, if your spirit is trying to tell you something and you just are blocking it in your mind, it'll, it'll let you know in your body, like you are mm. not going to escape yeah. The, the connection so it sounded like you were you were miserable and mm -hmm. and but you for whatever reason were not ready to kind of open up to the idea of change mm -hmm. um and it came out in your in your body and then when you mm -hmm. left everything opened up your body yeah. your your mind was released your body released and mm -hmm. made space for the baby you've been you've been trying for that's amazing yeah that's great yeah, yeah so I'm pregnant um, mm -hmm. which we find out about. So I turned in my resignation three weeks later, right? So about timing wise, we're talking that right around then I discovered I was pregnant. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I uh, turned in my resignation, got pregnant and found out I was pregnant when I was leaving. And I remember my husband looking at me and going, you have the worst timing. Because <laughs> 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 um, I didn't have a backup plan. And I think that's why I stayed as long as I did. And why a lot of us stay as long as we do in situations that are not good for us, right? It's right it's still safe. It's still like, I was still going to get a steady paycheck. Like I right. didn't know where the money was going to come from when I walked away. Right. And, um, I slowly learned that it was going to come, it was going to come. And so I, I, um, it was challenging because I was pregnant. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I'm trying to birth a baby and birth a business at the same time <laughs> and trying to kind of get the business into a good place just before um, you know, the baby comes so I can take some maternity leave and still have money and all that kind of stuff. And, um, I didn't do it right by any stretch of the imagination. Cause I didn't consider taxes. And oh. I mean, things. we all kind of have to learn as we go. Right. Yeah. I mean, nobody, yeah. nobody, there has never been a business owner that goes in and knows exactly what to expect. Um, everybody thinks they know what they're going to do. And it's usually, and this is what I find and tell me if it's true for you, the thing that you go into business for, this is the thing I want to do for a long stretch of time. That's the thing you're doing the least of yeah. because you've got to do yep. the marketing. You've got to do the taxing, the bookkeeping, mm -hmm. all of that other stuff. And mm -hmm. sometimes you're like, wait a second, what the, why am I here again? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think if there's anything that we, that I have really taken to heart as an entrepreneur is imperfect action is better than no action. 
Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So just taking a step, even if the coffee isn't perfect, even if you haven't necessarily figured out exactly who your audience is, even if you haven't niched enough or followed whatever anyone's advice is, you kind of have to cut through that and not try to make it perfect, but make it good enough. You know, I think as entrepreneurs for a long time, it just needs to be good enough, good enough to you know, sell people on it good enough to bring people in good enough to like get someone to stop scrolling and good enough to help someone make the change or buy the service or get the shirt or do whatever, you know, it right. is. Right, right, right. So, but, but like you said, it, some action is better than, than nothing. Even if you're thinking, well, I don't know if this is good enough. Well, there's only one way to find out. Mm-hmm. And if it doesn't work, well, you've got something to iterate from. Right. Um, so you've got to start somewhere. Okay. So you're, you've left the job, you're pregnant, you're starting to go through your contacts. So what were some of your like biggest challenges? I mean, aside from like, now you have this whole new, like change in life that you're going, you're going from not Mm -hmm. having a kid to a kid is a huge, I mean, your Mm -hmm. world just changes, but aside from all of the, what are some of the changes that, I mean, the, the big challenges that you had to deal with and and how did so, you deal with them? For sure. Like knowing that you have eight months, nine, nine ish months for this little human to arrive, to build a business, to make sure it's kind of in a good place by the time you take, you disappear from the world for mm-hmm. three months, which was my hope um, was really important. And so I did pick up projects. Um, they were mostly in nonprofit consulting at the time. And I was really blessed to have enough friends out there that advocated for me to their bosses or enough friends that have become bosses themselves in nonprofits or in social service organizations. They're like, hey, we should bring on Ariana. We know what she does. We know what she's capable of. And so they brought me on, but and they paid me very well. I really appreciate them. And I remember one good friend brought me on to work on some policies and procedures for her organization. And I was like, trying my darndest to get those things knocked out before my baby came. And yet here I was on a birthing ball, like finishing policies and procedures while I was going into labor with my daughter. And so definitely everything from creating something out of nothing is a huge challenge Mm -hmm. to, um, to not necessarily knowing where the next job is coming from. And then knowing that you're going to take a pause because my family I mean, one of the reasons I left is because my family is more important mm-hmm. than my work, right? right? No matter what, I love what I do now. I love what I do now, but work, you know, it, it's still at the end of the day, when my children come home, I'm done working. Right. And so, and so those challenges are, are really crucial. Living my values every day, ensuring that I can get enough work done, moving the needle, taking on projects that really matter. And so yeah, that like having that child was one of the biggest challenges, but it was a beautiful setback. Right. Sure. And so what about sort of, you know, I think a lot of um, women, uh, they, you know, they can feel nervous about, you know, if, if I have these, this kid or, you know, or even when they do have these kids, you know, it's this it sort of nerve wracking. Am I going to be able to earn enough money? I'm assuming being an entrepreneur like everybody else, that might've been a challenge for you as well. Yeah, you know, I'll get into my story really quick, but I just, side note from a friend recently, she told me that when she got pregnant with her third child, she looked at her business coach and was like, this baby is going to tank my business. (laughs) (laughs) And it didn't, 
of course. <laughs> the little guy was just fine. I and mean, she was just fine because she was good and she had, you know, she'd done what she needed to. But I I got to a place where I had the baby, I finished up the project, I was doing my maternity leave, and I'm like, I've got nothing on the horizon and I have no energy to market anything. Mm-hmm. And out of the blue, I got a call from a friend who was like, Hey, you need to go meet with this person. And so I met with that person. That person's like, Oh, I think we might have a consulting gig for you. So I, I came in for the consulting gig only to find out that really it was a job. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, but with nothing lined up. Mm-hmm. And them really recruiting me. And I really, I kind of like laid down the gauntlet. I was like, I want to make this amount of money. I want to work from home half the week. I want my baby to come to work with me until it's not feasible anymore. Like I really just laid and they said yes to everything. And I thought, wow. oh, okay, well that's, you know, everything lining up and the planets are aligning. And so I went back to work uh, for someone else. And for about a year, it was great. Mm-hmm. And then it was itchy sweater again. Oh, and then yeah. it just wasn't great anymore. It just didn't fit. It didn't feel right. Um, I I was still taking on side projects. You know, I was still doing some consulting here and there. I was still doing some coaching here and there. But um, I was still kind of really focused on that. And that was a huge setback because I got pregnant with my second child while working for these guys. And on maternity leave, they laid me off. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. So you want to talk about not having anything lined up. <laughs> right. That really right. right. Yeah. But, but I mean, you're, you're still going, you're still, you're still here, but it sounds like you also had like a really great network of people, or at least had the wherewithal to sort of mine your contacts um, mm-hmm. and, and have, and that's something that I find that uh, a lot of women entrepreneurs in, in particular have, sort of some resistance to where they don't, they feel like if they try and go to their contacts and say, Hey, this is what I'm doing now. They, they feel some resistance to going in and, and asking, Hey, do you have anything available? Mm-hmm. Um, so tell me a little bit about your mindset, about what allowed you to do that. And um, who else helped you along on this journey to kind of get to where you are? Yeah, for sure. My friends were definitely some of my first clients. They were some of my first coaching clients. I did a big in-person vision boarding workshop before, um, before uh, COVID. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we were all, you know, shut up. And uh, a bunch of my friends took it and like I made really good money that day. And um, so friends have been incredibly supportive and they're not buying, I think, just to support me. Mm-hmm. They believe in my message and they, they know like, I think a lot of people go, there's tons of coaches out there. I don't think people realize that, but I think a lot of people go this life coaching thing. What is that? And yeah. what does it do for me? And how do I find one of these life coaches? <laughs> um, and then, you know, they get onto someone's life coaching page and maybe it's not specific enough or it's not their niche, you know, or it's not what they're looking for. And then they don't know where to go from there. So I think when your friend becomes a coach, you're like, oh, you know, Mm-hmm. Um, I think I did a good enough job of explaining what the value of coaching and the value of coaching with me looks like, right. and they ended up buying my services and that really bailed me out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that really bailed me out initially. And it still bails me out. Like I've had some pretty down months and I, I'll go out to lunch with a friend and she'll end up crying and I'll be like, I can help you with this. <laughs> uh, like we, you don't have to live here. Like let's, let's get together, join my group coaching program or join my one-on-one coaching program and let's get through it. And the next thing I know, I have a friend who's 
you know, has bought a package and, you know, my, my family continues again. (laughs) So definitely my friends have been super supportive. Um, My husband has been incredibly supportive. Um, You know, he'll say things like you have the worst timing or (laughs) once in a while he'll be like, maybe we need to start thinking about you getting a job. And then I'll come home and I'll be like, I got a sale. I got a sale. I got a sale. <laughs> and he's like, oh, okay, we're okay. We're okay. Um, so they, so they've been, uh, he's been incredibly supportive. Um, that former boss I was telling you about that looked at my resume has, mm-hmm. was, has been incredibly supportive. He's sent me like contract templates and NDA oh. templates. Yeah. So like even just doing fundamentals and I remember sitting down with him initially, he's in a different line of consulting. And so uh, he like gave me all kinds of advice about consulting and, and like, here's what you can do and how you can do it. And then surprisingly, my family has been, um, has been both um, curious about what this looks like and supportive at the same time. So on one hand, like when I got laid off, my family's like, well, what are you going to do? You know, when, when do you not make enough money that you go back to work? Like what I'm doing isn't working. But then on the other hand, they're like, wow, like I see what you're doing on Facebook and it, you know, I think that's really cool. And I have friends who talked about you and I told them what you do and they think that's really neat. And so, you know, there's definitely like they've, they've, my, my dad has been one of the most supportive. And I think that down deep in his spirit, he's probably, um, uh, what do you say? Inquieta. Inquieto. He's a, he's an entrepreneur too. And, and, you know, he kind of always talks about these projects growing up, like, oh, I'm going to go do this, or I'm going to go buy a house and flip it. You know, before I ever knew what a flipper was, my dad was doing stuff like that. So he kind of always had these little side things where he had to use his creativity in a different way. And he had to use his hands because he had a very cerebral job. So, so I think it does get passed through the family. So I'm often really surprised at how supportive my dad is about things. So, so your dad sort of, he had like little side hustles kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Is that what it was? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that um, was sort of maybe where that little seed was planted. Yeah. It's funny. After we talked the first time I went back to both my parents and asked them what their parents did. Mm-hmm. And I do have some entrepreneurs kind of further back, which entrepreneurship back in, you know, the ages before, you know, our great grandparents and our great, great grandparents was less. Well, first of all, it wasn't called entrepreneurship, but right. it's what a lot of people did, right? They had a right. little corner store, or they were farmers, right. or like my grandma um, in uh, in Wales had a boarding house. So right. if you go yeah. back far enough, there are more entrepreneurs than you realize. I think entrepreneurship really became uh, as rare as it is now, only after the industrial age, right? Yeah. Once the world became industrialized and there were large corporations that could hire large groups of people, then people didn't have to have farms or, you know, have little stores. And yeah, I mean, it was on both sides of my family. They, they were uh, my, my grandparents on my father's side, my great grandparents on my mother's side um, mm-hmm. had farms. And on my mother's side, I could see on the U.S. census, um, mm-hmm. the tobacco, the bananas, the, all the things that they sold that they had to grow and they had to sell. Mm-hmm. And so even though I didn't see that in my world and my father sort of had this like aversion to entrepreneurship. um, I think epigenetically we do sort of retain some of that skill set because there Mm -hmm. there is a skill to it and, and that courage, that courage 
um, mm. which is now required. Back then it was encouraged. Back then you didn't sell, you didn't eat. And so it was almost courageous not to have a business. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. But today um, it's sort of going against uh, what we have been set up to do. You know, it's the, the big sale is go to school, get a degree, find a job, work for somebody, mm-hmm. retire, go away. I mean, that's yeah. basically the, the story. Yeah, I think that this kind of innate um, yearning to do something else um, is, is, I think, is a very interesting one, especially in women, because it's in a world that was not made for us um, mm-hmm. and it was not designed with us in mind. Well, and one of the things I think is really interesting to build on what you're saying is for our Black sisters in mm-hmm. entrepreneurship who really have, you know, in the cross-sectionality of everything, have to deal with the challenges of trying to find a job. And so in a lot of ways, they have had to hustle for things in entrepreneurship and have really paved a way right. for right. the rest of us in a lot of ways, because I'm so impressed with with my Black girlfriends that are entrepreneurs, because I think that in a lot of ways, that was really their only option because they weren't getting the opportunities, they weren't being heard, they weren't getting the promotions, they weren't getting the the right kind of pay and said, well, I'm out. I'm going to go figure this out for myself. Which took another level of courage. I mean, uh, I think one that is probably greater than like you or me. I mean, I'm Hispanic. No one knows I'm Hispanic. I mean, everyone thinks I'm Polish. I don't know why, Mm -hmm. but... (laughs) (laughs) Um, but, uh, it, it, it does take a a different level of courage to say, I'm going to do this on Mm -hmm. my, I'm going to do this on my own. I'm going to create a a lot of times they creating niches for themselves, Mm -hmm. um, which is amazing. And you're, and you're Mm -hmm. right. There is a lot of sort of groundbreaking work that they do that we then can sort Mm -hmm. of follow. Um, yeah, I'm glad you did bring up the Latina community because it's the same story with them. I live in Phoenix. And so mm -hmm. I see a number of Latina business owners and whether they're cleaning houses or opening storefronts or running restaurants, Mm -hmm. like they are in it and that's what they do. And and really the great thing about them is a lot of them are really leveraging, you know, skill sets that they have from home. And I think sometimes as a white woman, I'm like, well, these are my work skills and these are my home skills. And there's a lot of cross-sectionality in that. There's a lot of home skills that really do translate to the work world and vice versa. And I think that's what, 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 you know, when I was saying that this sort of um, business world was not made with us in mind, it was not designed mm-hmm. for us. Um, it, that that sort of like partitioning off, you know, this is work and this is home. Well, because mm-hmm. that work, that definition of work is very male oriented. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't include children. It doesn't include mm-hmm. caretaking. It doesn't include any of those decision-making skills yeah. uh, that can transfer very easily and much better. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in a lot of different scenarios. Uh, and yeah, and I, so that's kind of one of the other reasons that I wanted to start this podcast. I mean, a business owner for 25 years, I had, uh, for 17 years, I ran a managed IT services company with my husband. Well, I knew who the, my local direct competitors were and they were mm-hmm. all men. I didn't have a female direct competitor and I would get frustrated because I would see that they could they would grow their businesses faster than I could um, Mm. because, you know, but they were offering the same services, same market, target market, same vendors. 
And it used to bother me. Like, what is it? What is it? And even though my husband and I ran it together, um, you know, my husband was, he would take as much as possible of the the child caring. You know, we would, mm-hmm. he would come home and cook and so on and so forth, but he wasn't going to nurse the kids, you know, and when they're right. little babies, it's very mom intensive. Yeah. They want mama all the they time. They want yeah. mom all the time. And not only that, I wanted to be with my kids because mm-hmm. I, I wanted to have both. And so that's the other part mm-hmm. of this sort of world that was not built for us, where it's almost like they're, they're requiring us to choose either this or that. And I wanted both. And because of that, you know, it dawned on me that what was going on is that my competitors were able to go and network for five nights a week. They were able to go and go to the the golfing, you know, events on the Saturdays and the whole time their wives are raising their children, which is fine, but it's, it just did not give me the same availability to succeed that it gave mm-hmm. them. Yeah. Uh, and additionally, when I would go to these networking events, and I mean, I resorted to buying these like Avon rings that were like huge honking cubic zirconias and you know, that look like engagement yeah. rings and diamond rings to kind of be like married. Yeah. And I would still get yeah. hit on. And no. so it wasn't, it was less of a networking event, more of a pickup scene, yeah. which was irritating because they weren't mm-hmm. doing that with the other men, with the other men, they were having really true collaborative conversations. Oh, what do you do? Mm-hmm. Oh, give me a call. Yeah. Not with that. Those weren't the types of conversations they were having with me. One right. guy told me you're too pretty to be a geek. <laughs> so it's very oh. limiting. It's, oh. it's, you know, it's, it's limiting. Mm-hmm. Um, it's outwardly limiting. You know, it's not yeah. something that I was like, I don't think I can, I don't think I can. It was just, we're not, you're not given the opportunities mm-hmm. because you're not seen in that way. You're not given the opportunities because you're not, you don't have the availability for those events that these people have. Um, and so it's, it's frustrating. But mm-hmm. then I thought about it and I was like, well, I think women, I think they need to stop trying to play by those rules and yes. start- start defining their own playbook, their own, what is success for them. And it doesn't necessarily have to be $30,000 in 30 days. Mm -hmm. It doesn't Mm -hmm. have to be, you know, resource attaining. Um, I mean, yes, resources are necessary, but Mm -hmm. let's kind of maybe reprioritize and not make it so male dominated. And let's, instead of competing, let's collaborate. Mm -hmm. Because when we collaborate, we have more to offer everyone mm-hmm. gains more. And there is certainly, mm-hmm. you know, this scarcity mindset, there is more than enough for everyone to eat. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Right. So, so those are some sort of the challenges I've, mm-hmm. I've faced and, and, and I, and some of the things that I would like to see change. And I think hopefully our generation can make a significant shift yeah. for the next generation. Um, I I love that. I I think you're right. I think that, and I think this has to happen in so many facets of society, but we have to look at women, uh, women entrepreneurs different and and what our roles and responsibilities are. I think the other really interesting thing is after COVID, you know, they talk about like, no one wants a job anymore and no one's working anymore. And I think what they saw happen, especially for females, was a lot of women going, I'm going to (laughs) homeschool and I'm going to make money. 
And so I can't do that by working these traditional jobs. I'm going to have to stay home and figure it out. And whether they did, you know, these uh, M to M kind of like sales, you know, whether they Mm -hmm. took up Mary Kay or something like that, or they, um, you know, became a virtual assistant or like you or I have done, you know, Mm -hmm. coaching and, you know, technology consulting and all those kinds of things. Like, I think they've had to themselves say, I'm going to do this differently. And, and And I think you're right. COVID gave an excellent opportunity for no one to put any limits on that. Yeah. What were they going to do? And they, they try once COVID was so-called over, which is not really over, but mm-hmm. once the, the threat was as large as it was, and they started demanding people to come in, that's when people were saying, no, yeah. we know there's a better way. And that's what we're going to do. And then suddenly nobody wanted to work. Right. <laughs> nobody right. wanted to work. Right. Like, nope, <laughs> now we're all doing gig work. Now we're all over here being entrepreneur. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, all right. So tell me a little bit about how your business has evolved over time. And some of maybe some of the key turning points or milestones that you've hit in your business. Sure. So uh, I started out really doing consulting, um, uh, doing like these nonprofit social services consulting. And the further I get down my path of coaching, I think the more I move away from that to the point where I recently made some very strict decisions and created some very strict criteria about what kind of social service consulting projects I pick up. Um, in terms of cost, time, and um, travel, and those kinds of things. And so so that's kind of died down mm-hmm. while I've been ramping up my coaching business and my executive coaching business. And so it's been, for me, niching is really, really hard because I am an incredibly honest person, and I'm an incredibly communicative person. And so it's been really hard for me to go, I help women entrepreneurs you know, or I help single women or I help single women entrepreneurs, right? Like, like how do you, it's been really a, a challenge. So I have kind of flipped, flipped around on niches quite a bit, but I really end up coaching the same thing mm-hmm. to whomever comes. Cause what I'm really offering is simplicity. I'm really offering, um, t- uh, pinpointing your passion and helping you figure out what, um, what you need to do to be the most productive, to be the most you, <laughs> to to own your truest and favorite identity. And so that happens no matter what the background is. But I find that I can do shiny object really quick if I don't just come back to, I teach, you know, I coach women on their identity transitions. I coach them through making a simpler life, setting boundaries, uh, you know, developing priorities, living their values mm-hmm, um, and, mm-hmm. and crushing their goals. Right. So it sounds like you help women get rid of their itchy sweaters. Yes, that's exactly mm-hmm. what it is. <laughs> so you have some experience with that. <laughs> oh, 1000%. Yes. So if you're looking back on on your sort of journey as a first generation female entrepreneur, what advice would you give to others who are starting out or maybe they've already started, but they find that they feel stuck? Um, I have so like, I have a lot of like little sayings that I put up next to my vision board, which is right behind my computer monitor. Um, and one of them is, um, you don't have time to underestimate your abilities. And it says that because I think as women, we take on imposter syndrome incredibly 
easily. Mm-hmm. We are so quick to look at a resume, uh, to look at a job description. And I know we're talking about entrepreneurship, but mm-hmm. this is the best example. We'll look at a job description and see that like a couple of things don't really match our resume and won't apply for it. Whereas a man will look at it and see five to 10 things that don't match their resume and still apply for it. And I think we do the same thing in the entrepreneurial world. Like, oh, I don't have, you know, the, I don't have Dubsado or I don't, ha- I can't afford Zoom right. or, or I don't know how to, you know, market this. And so we really, really doubt ourselves. Um, and all of those things, when you really break them down, first of all, you can get free Zoom. Second of all, there's a lot of other, you know, programs that will keep you organized, but you don't need them. If you have Google Drive or some kind of like drive, you're fine. Um, and, you know, as long as you've got a service to sell or a product to sell, then you've got a business. And um, so don't, you know, marketing is really just storytelling. <laughs> Absolutely. And so, you know, when you really barrel down all these things that allegedly you don't know, you probably know them in some way, shape or form. Coaching is really just parenting in a different <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's not like parenting, but you know what I mean. Like, there's stuff you can translate from home into mm-hmm. uh, into the entrepreneurship. Um, another thing I have up here is start now and get perfect later, mm. which is kind of goes with what I was saying earlier. Like, take imperfect action now. You know, right. you don't have to be an ex. You don't have to be the world's biggest expert. You're probably already an expert, or you wouldn't even be thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's so cliche, but trust your gut. Like trust your gut. And for women who are maybe a little bit further down the pathway, one of the things I will challenge you to think about is really evaluate the things that you are doing that actually move the needle and get rid of everything else. Mm -hmm. Because if it's not moving the needle, if it's not making you money, if it's not getting you more clients, if it's not getting you more sales or whatever your goals are, then it's just noise and it's a complete distraction from you um, being your best version of yourself. And that takes a level of honesty, um, that might take some practice to do. Yes. Um, yeah. And there's, there's coaches for that, right. Right. Not to toot to my own horn, but that's what I do. <laughs> like I help you evaluate. I help you like kind of weed through the closet of your projects mm-hmm. and help you pick which outfits look and fit and feel the best right now. Gosh, right. I keep coming back to clothes. To the issue. <laughs> You would think I'm a clothes horse, but I'm over here in probably some kind of Walmart, you know, cardigan and a cold like tank top. You should make that your new logo, an itchy sweater. <laughs> Get rid of the itchy sweater. Right. <laughs> so where do you see your business going from here? You know, I my success is inevitable. I have this great business coach. See, I believe in coaching so much. I get it myself. Mm-hmm. She's fantastic. And, and early on in our coaching, one of the, the messages she implanted in my head is my success is inevitable. Mm-hmm. And so even on hard days, even when I'm not sure about my marketing message, even when mm-hmm. I'm taking imperfect action and crossing my fingers for something to happen, my success is inevitable. I, I didn't have necessarily a great month last month and I'm a little short. I had to pull from business savings, but ultimately I know that I'm on the verge of a great month this month. Like a down month doesn't mean I'm going to have multiple down months. It means right. that I'm going to have a down month from time to time and I'm going to have like really elevated months. And so it's to, just to keep moving. So I'm really excited. Um, I've got a lot of really great, not a lot. I have this very vital few 
um, programs and offers and freebies coming up that I am super, super excited about. Okay. All right. Great. So it sounds like also part of being an entrepreneur, one of the important things um, is also sort of um, preparing for those down months, right? Making sure, because it's it's volatile, right? You, you don't mm-hmm. know. It's not like when you get a paycheck and even when you do get a paycheck, like you don't know when that paycheck's going to stop. Like my parents, yeah. my father worked for the Department of Defense 35 years. My mm-hmm. mother worked for the Department of Education 25 years. Mm-hmm. Um, those kinds of jobs, unless they're government and even sometimes government jobs, I mean, they just, y- you're not going to see that kind of longevity in a so-called, uh, you know, secure paycheck. They're not as secure anymore as they, as they have been in the past. But if you are going to be an entrepreneur, you do have to kind of establish your own security to get you through those inevitable, um, waves that everybody, everybody goes through. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, if, if just to do simple math for everyone to figure out how much you need to make per month, it's mm-hmm. literally take all of your expenses. If you don't have retirement built in there yet, build it in and then double it because 15 to 18% of what you make needs to go to taxes, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 20 to 30% of what you make needs to go to operations, you know, updating your computer, buying a program if you need it, right. buying Zoom if you go into craziness. And then another 10% should be your profit that you just set aside and take out every quarter for whatever you want. So really that's pretty much 50%. Right. So, right. and then only whatever that is that you figure out that you need, even when you have great months, don't take it all out, you know, put it into the savings and keep paying yourself the steady income that you have figured out that you need to, you know, pay all your bills, get the groceries, live your best life. So have things for self-care and still have time for retirement. Um, and just whatever that is, pay yourself and then put the rest in business savings. It saved my behind, you know, it saved my behind. Right, right, right. That's great. That's great. Um, so, so you were talking about that you have all these great, you know, um, well, not all these very specific few, yes. <laughs> a new, um, freebies and things that are coming up. You got anything you want to share with us? Yeah, for sure. Uh, especially for female entrepreneurs. Um, one of, uh, I have a great one-on-one coaching program that's always available. Um, it is definitely about getting down to brass tacks, figuring out who you are, what you're all about and which projects and which things in your home life and your personal and your business life that you need to take on. And so, um, you can definitely hit me up for that. I have a freebie coming out that I'm super proud of. And let's see if I can remember the name. The Trailblazers Guide to Smashing Your Business Goals. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, it's a it's a workbook that will take you through uh, how to get a vision for your life um, and boil it down to goals, action steps, habits, Um and some surprises that I'm, I'm not going to let people go. Uh, no, <laughs> but I mean, that sounds, that sounds um, like a great, great tool. I mean, I know it can be very, very easy to lose focus. And then when you mm-hmm. lose focus, you're not, you don't, not even really aware that you've lost the focus. You just mm-hmm. don't feel like anything's working yeah. um, until you then have a tool like this. And then mm-hmm. you can start to kind of write things out and refine, mm-hmm. refine. And that's when you realize, oh, I didn't have focus. <laughs> And now I do. And now, yeah. and, and I, I, I know firsthand that it, it really does make a, a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So is there going to be some place where our listeners can pick it up or 
the absolute best place to follow what I'm doing mm -hmm. is I have a Facebook group called Women Living Without Limits to okay. talk about. And that is a great place to go where I post everything and people hear about everything I've got to offer there first. So you'll learn about my one-on-one, -on -one, my group coaching programs, um, and this awesome freebie will be posted in there too. As soon as it gets done, it's almost done. Um, and depending on when the show comes out, we can put it in the show notes. Yep. Um, yep. You can also, um, uh, check me out at purposefullyconnected.com. Um, and on Instagram and Pinterest, I'm at purposefully connected life. And then you can find me as Ariana Robinson Palumbo on LinkedIn. If you're really that interested. That sounds great. Thank you so much, Ariana, for talking with me today. This was a really great, great conversation. I think there were so many things um, to kind of pick and learn from this in your story. I mean, just your, that I really love that part where, you know, it was two FML leaves um, yeah. where your body was like, knock, knock. Yeah. Knock, knock. Yeah. Knock, knock. <laughs> I've got something to tell you. Wake up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I think a lot of women will probably resonate with that and maybe start to listen a little bit more to their own to their own spirits and and maybe start taking off that itchy sweater. Um, awesome. Thank you for joining us today uh, and catch us next time. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Divergent Women. We hope you find inspiration, motivation, and a renewed sense of empowerment as we explore the incredible journeys of our guests. These remarkable first-generation women entrepreneurs show us what it means to break the mold, defy expectations, and create businesses that make a lasting impact. We invite you to continue on this journey with us as we bring you more captivating stories of resilience, determination, and triumph. Stay tuned for future episodes where we delve deeper into the challenges and triumphs faced by women in entrepreneurship, providing valuable insights, practical advice, and a supportive community. Remember, you're not alone on this path. Divergent Women is here to celebrate your uniqueness, embrace your ambitions, and empower you to navigate the entrepreneurial world with confidence and grace. Together, we can rewrite the narrative, shatter glass ceilings, and inspire a new generation of trailblazing women. Make sure to subscribe to Divergent Women on your favorite podcast platform so you never miss an episode. And if you enjoyed today's show, we would greatly appreciate your support by leaving us a review and sharing this podcast with fellow entrepreneurs and aspiring business owners. Until next time, keep embracing your uniqueness, chasing your dreams, and making waves in the world. This is Melissa Minchala signing off from Divergent Women. Stay fierce, stay fearless, and keep breaking those barriers.